We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. he does this <laughs> it's it's become uh a game to see if i can catch him he's usually paying attention but now he's goofing off on his phone and i caught him <laughs> i was i was looking at hunting stuff he was prepared uh, he's preparing yeah yeah right he's I mean, reading his notes i, I had to no no everybody knows yeah. we don't do that yeah. we started out with notes we, we started with notes First. and we're like had this outline of what we we're gonna do and they were the most, some of the most boring podcasts we yeah. ever did. So and we found out we we just have a couple of topics we sure. can talk about. Yeah, and they just let yeah we go on with the topic, and then we just we just go talk. Um, I still have the paper plate with our notes from our very first episode. You better you better hold on to that one because if we ever sell our souls for lots yeah, and lots, lots of American, American dollars. dollars. <laughs> Frame it, right? Frame it. Right, yeah. I still, I still have. This that. is what the price was, <laughs> right? <laughs> we were just talking about that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I didn't even do a mic check because you had your head down. So I was like, I'm gonna catch him. Hit the button. <laughs> so that's like become the opening. I mean, we might as well throw it in the intro when we record a new intro. So right, right. So, Rodney whispering. No, him saying. I didn't. By the way, we're recording. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Kyle. Recording, yeah, <laughs> you're you're live. You're live. Anyway, Not live, so but. so um, since I didn't do a mic check, I'm going to technicality my way out of bringing us in. Well, you don't so, have to bring us in because you brought us in on the last one. Oh, whatever. You did. So I'm going to technicality my way out of it. And sure. You two go ahead, That's and fine. I will do the mic check while you're bringing us That's in. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, this is a follow up to last week's uh, podcast where we had Mike Shine on for. Uh, one of two participants in Hunt It Forward this year. Uh, this week we have on Shay Hoffman. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me. We're happy to have Shay on um, and going to talk to him a little bit about Hunt It Forward. He's already he's already stoked. He's, he he bought a set of camo. Oh, nice. What'd you get? I'm pumped up. I got Under Armour. It's called uh, Ridge Reaper. Nice. Yeah. So I got some camo. I got a 308. He's ready to go. Yeah. Man. Oh, man. I'm buying shotguns now. <laughs> I'm doing it all. Never hunted in my life, but I'm I'm diving in. Good, good. I like it. I like it. that's what I like to hear. That's uh, um, cool. That, that's the fun part about hunt it forward is, and especially with the age group that we bring in, because yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's that was the point of it. Yeah, uh, but just the the feeling, yeah. um, you know, like. I think I mentioned it on the podcast last week, how, which I'm sure we're going to repeat quite a few things, but, um, a lot of people talk about doing selfless deeds. Mm -hmm. This is not one. It's not a selfless deed. Uh, We're promoting a sport that we love. We're attempting to protect the future of a sport we love. And we get mass amounts of joy and entertainment out of doing hunt it forward. Um, so it's it's not a selfless deed, but it's still cool to do, uh, and I, it's something that we should do. Yeah. But um, when you take your kids hunting, uh, and and this is something that I've learned over the past year, when you when you take your kids hunting, and you watch them take an animal, it's completely different 
than when we take our hunt forward to people hunting. Um, and, you know, through four people now, uh, all four of those people, the excitement level, the fun, the, the joy never lessened. No. It was just as much when, when Adrian shot her first animal and Shay shot her touche. Yeah. <laughs> Did he tell I you about you that? I thought you slipped up. No, no, I, no, no. So, so last year, one of our participants, her name was Shay. Oh, no way. So you're touche. The same yeah. Shay, yeah. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to when Shay took her elk last year, her cow elk on public land, um, they, it was just as emotional. Yeah. It, it's, it's never slowed down. So a um, lot of fun doing this. Uh, it's yeah. cool watching people start. It is. Get into it, buy the camo. Of course, we haven't any, had anybody... All gung ho like that. That's yet, not true. Camo she, and, well, she she didn't she didn't hadn't bought the camo, but Shay was pretty gung ho. Do you remember? No, Shay was Shay was gung ho. Um, the other Shay, the, the Shay, other Shay. one. So she, she, get confused. And she Shay and he Shay. Shay and he Shay. I'm he Shay. Yeah. <laughs> For anyone who can't tell by my voice. <laughs> um, she, she yeah she bought a lot of stuff. Ryan bought some stuff. Um, even Emily and Adrian, you know, but but I mean. Shay, he Shay yeah. <laughs> has come in, uh, and he's already got it. Yeah, you know he's already got some camo. He's got some rifle. What else you got? Uh, so I bought the three hundred eight. It's American Ruger. I bought the Under Armour. I have a I have pants jacket. I'm getting all my mid layers and base layers. Mm-hmm. This is these are all new terms. I'm trying to remember remember them as what, I say this. What kind of base layers? Uh, they were also Under Armour. Okay, uh, synthetic. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. I know my buddy Eric how, has the same ones, and he hunts all the time. He said they're great. He's like, they keep you super warm. That that was my biggest concern was just being warm. So right. Kyle's going to learn you something right now. Um, and it, it's it's personal opinion. So yeah, there's absolutely. you're all over. I'm, it. I'm messing it up. <clears throat> messing it up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so yeah, and it's great. Um, and it's not a, it's not a problem at all because um. Uh, you're going to learn and you're going to evolve over time. I mean, um, said it on the podcast many times, uh, where we subscribe to the beg, steal and borrow Mm -hmm. mentality, not literally steal, Mm -hmm. but take, you know, borrow from your friends, that type of thing. Um, just go hunting Mm -hmm. basically. And so whether it's, um, whether it's Walmart camo, whether it's, um, you know, army surplus camo. Yep. Anything like that, um, as long as it gets you out there hunting, that's great to do. Having said that, uh, there is there is something to be said for uh, things like base layers. Uh, whenever you go with something like merino wool versus a synthetic, mm-hmm. and it's a, it really is personal preference. Um, I like merino wool; it's breathable, uh, it keeps you warm, it's light, uh, but it also when you get hot, it wicks the sweat. Uh, it does not stink as bad as synthetics. Like you can wear it days on end without it really being terrible. And yep. again, our personal preference, we def- definitely for those, for those base layers. We like that Merino wool. Yeah. I wear, I'm, I wear Merino wool almost head to toe when I'm hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, I wear Merino wool socks all year long, which 10 years ago, well, 
man, I guess I can't even say 10 years ago now, probably 15 years ago. How long have I been married? Wrong person to ask. Uh, uh, well, anyway, <laughs> when I got married, my wife introduced me to wool socks. And, of course, um, everything that I'd ever heard about wool was it itches. It's mm-hmm. too hot. It's just like crazy. Um, and my father-in-law was a big wool fan. Um, and I was very standoffish. I was like, eh, don't want none of that wool. Um, keep it. But she just slipped a pair of wool socks in there. And um, I tried them. And I've never put anything else on my feet. I wear nothing but wool all year long. I don't wear cotton socks at all or any kind of synthetic. Uh, and everybody says, isn't that hot all year long? No, it's not. Um, wicks the moisture away. Keeps your feet dry. And it does not get hot. You can you can get thin socks. You can get heavy socks. Yeah. Um, of course, one of the really great things about wool is it absorbs a certain percentage of, of water and will still keep you warm. Ret- retains 80% of its... Um, I don't know if you call it R value. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, insulation. Insulation value. value, even when it's soaked. See, I would have assumed that, it, I assumed that it was itchy. I would have assumed that it stunk more than a synthetic. Nope. It's so crazy. I was just completely wrong about you, all I, of that already. I can take, on a five-day hunt, I generally, I, well, both me and Kyle generally always overpack. But I will end up using two pairs of socks mm-hmm. on a five-day hunt. Wow. I can I can use one pair of socks on a five day hunt without a problem. Uh, they're that good. They're durable. They generally come with a nice lifetime guarantee. Uh, it is hard to wear out of. I've got wool socks that I've had for ten years. And and not only that, yeah, the base layers, same thing. Yeah. I'll I'll wear the same base layer for three four days, mm-hmm. and so, it makes it easier because I don't have to pack as much because I know. I'm taking a pair of long johns that are merino wool. Um, I can wear those for three or four days before I got to change them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I have to, I can wear them longer. Yeah. Uh, but it's, yeah, everything you've heard about wool is not true. And in fact, there's quite a bit of competition out there in in the brands, you know, the different brands that there are. Um, basically, pushing these especially merino base layers because merino mm-hmm. wool is extremely soft it's easy on your skin again it has all these great qualities so it'll be something for you to look into again it that if you already have some not a problem yep um i have i have some under armor base yeah. layers yeah it's good good um, stuff so you warm. but it, it'd be some the the funny thing about talking about hunting um we have a buddy called that we called your gear junkie jerry mm-hmm and he's always looking up the latest and greatest and what are you know what are people saying about this and what are people saying about this and you'll see it on social media all the time um somebody will ask a question well what do you think you know what should i get what should i get for boots um it's always personal preference mm-hmm. always and so i'll take for example i'm on a volunteer fire department here we were going to order some boots and most of the people chose a kinetric um, I liked Kinetrek. I have a pair of Kinetreks, and they were great for the sheep hunt, but something happened, and they are tearing my heels up. And so I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to try I'd like to try a pair of Danners. 
but every single person is different. Uh, one person you talk to, their feet may not fit. They may like uh, Merrill's or they may like Danner's. No, Rodney loves the Danner. I love the Danner. They fit my feet. So and that's what you got to find is is what works for you. It's it's more so, especially with hunting gear. It's more so finding what works for you, mm-hmm. um, not what works for most everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Like the quickest way to start an argument amongst hunters is ask what the best caliber is for a deer hunt. Everybody will have a different opinion. <laughs> Nine <laughs> millimeter, right? I, yeah. I, I mean, you, you'll go you'll go from two forty three to. 270 to 30 six to seven six millimeter five mag, six five yeah and everybody's gonna it's it really six five great round seven millimeter great round 308 great round 30 six great round 270 great round they're all great mm-hmm. they will all kill a deer what's more important what's more important is what is you are comfortable using to kill that deer yeah the, the one thing that I would say about a caliber is, especially if you're new, don't go big. Go go light. Get something that's not too loud. It's not going to have a lot of kick. Something that you can ease into and get used to shooting rather than uh, being scared of the gun. Being scared of the gun, yeah. So where's the 308 line in there, or line up in there? 308 is a great, great round. Um, it's, you know argument could be made that it's probably a little big for deer or mm-hmm. for antelope uh, you may get a blow through you may punch through a couple shoulders and ruin some meat but overall 308 is going to do the job that you needed to do it's going to reach out there it's going to yeah so it's a in my opinion a 308 is a great round it's a good rifle to have um if again my opinion personally if i if i had to choose a gun for the majority of big game animals that we have in New Mexico, three weights not a bad choice. A two seventy is not a bad choice. Two seventy is a very thirty out six is not a really good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really just depends. You you get into hunting and you'll start to learn. There's all these underlings and these these different uh, you know opinions and and people have these notions and, and these preconceived notions or these things that have worked and they've just stuck with it. And if you can, if you always are asking somebody else, you're going to get a million, you're going to get yeah. however many opinions, um, from however many people that you ask. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. We had this conversation with Mike and I'll say, I'll say it again. Cause it's worth repeating. The gear doesn't make a hunter. Mm-hmm. They used to, I mean, you look back at, at, you know, people and they used to go hunt in plaid shirts and blue jeans mm-hmm. and an open sight 30-30. Um, gear accentuates the skills that you have as a hunter. And so if you have great camo, it's going to accentuate how good you are at stocking up on a deer. Mm-hmm. You can stock up on a deer in blue jeans and a, and a, and a plaid shirt you're just probably going to get closer if you're using some sort of camo to conceal yourself. Um, you can shoot a deer, uh, you know, out to 100, 200 yards with an open sight 30-30. Not a problem. Um, if you're skilled at understanding how to shoot and shot placement, 
you can do that further out with a better weapon or closer in with a more primitive weapon like a muzzleloader or or a bow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rodney talked about it uh, quite a bit uh, last last podcast where he talked about he started out with a really crappy bow and then he got a better bow and then he got a better bow. But what the better bow did is not make him a better hunter. The skills he learned in between made him a better hunter. He just was able to increase his range with a new bow. Yeah. Yeah. That makes complete sense. It's like, it's like if you got the best pair of golf clubs, but have never golfed, it's not going to make a difference. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's it, exactly. It really doesn't matter. Um, and it's all in preparation and practice and, um, and learning it the the number one thing that you can do to become a better hunter is time in the woods and it doesn't matter if you're hunting rabbits squirrels deer elk doesn't matter time in the woods is what is going to make you a better hunter not gear uh, rifles none of that stuff Mm -hmm. it's all time in the woods learning your learning your prey learning where they like to be, what they like to eat, where they like to sleep, where they like to um, walk, their habits, um, all of that stuff. Learning that kind of stuff is what makes you a great hunter um, or, or a seasoned hunter. Uh, I won't say successful because – and, and it's something that you'll hear us talk about a lot as we take you through this hunt it forward process is success. We don't judge success – Oh, I always get I always get bunged up trying to explain this. We do not judge success by the size of the animal that we take, or whether or not we take an animal. We we joint we judge or uh, we um, define success by the experience that we had in the woods. Um, and it's it's easy for us to say that because we're seasoned hunters who have progressed to that fifth stage. Um, and you'll learn a little bit about this too as we go the the, the five stages of hunting. Um, and we're in that fifth stage where we just enjoy the entire experience and sharing it with other people, right? Um, but if you can teach that to the new hunters to just enjoy it, then I think that they will probably enjoy them first four stages even more. Yeah. Uh, because it's not about it's not about getting a great big two hundred inch deer or four hundred inch elk. It's about going out there and having a good time and accomplishing what you set out to accomplish. So if you're, if you, if your goal, when you start out, when we take you on your first hunt is to go kill an antelope, because what we're going to be hunting is a female or amateur antelope. If your goal is to kill an antelope, that's your goal. You're probably going to fail. And that doesn't mean that you won't, that you won't get an antelope. What it means is that you're going to miss everything from now until you the time that you pull the trigger Mm -hmm. your goal should be to learn as much as you can this year so when you go out on your own you will have the tools to learn Mm -hmm. and succeed so if you set those types of goals and and make sure that the hunt is about the experience it's about the time in the field it's about learning to shoot learning about antelope learning about their habits and learning how you can successfully navigate um, a hunt and, and chase them, you'll have a lot better time. Absolutely. You'll, you'll enjoy it a lot more. 
and that's what I'm looking forward to at the most is just learning. Yeah. I, so I play a bunch of other sports, and although it's not the same, I know I'm not going to go out and play basketball for the first time and hit a three-point shot. My goal is to go learn as much as I can that way. Yeah. Like you said, I can do it by myself, and I don't need the yeah. assistance necessarily. Yeah. We skipped a whole bunch there, but... Dude, yeah, yeah. But you know, that's we what we talking. do. We, we talk. Yeah, we, we talk. Uh, so, Shay. Um, need a paper plate with notes. Right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't mind going backwards. We, we hit we the rewind mind. button. Squirrels. We'll rewind, but we're, yes. we're always chasing squirrels. Always on the chasing bus. squirrels. Out, time out in the woods, right? Right. <laughs> uh, give us a little bit of background on you, on you Shay. Where are you from? Um, you said you never hunted before. Have you been around people that hunted? Uh, what got you interested in it? Um, Kind of how did you get hooked up with us and, and all that fun stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm 29 years old. I'm from the suburbs of Philadelphia, from a small town called Horsham. I ended up moving to Philadelphia, so I would consider myself definitely more of a city person than outdoors. Although I did spend a ton of time fishing. I love to fish with spin rods. Fly rods is a whole new game to me also. Well, that's a start at least. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, My uncles are really big hunters actually. Um, I have two uncles who have hunted their whole lives, so I've been around hunters. Um, I have some very basic, basic, basic understanding of it, but I've never actually done it myself. Uh, it was something growing up in the city that, I mean, most people don't do. They live in the mountains and I got to see them very infrequently when I saw them. That wasn't, I didn't learn it growing up. My trip or hundred percent. My dad didn't hunt. I, so nobody taught me. Um, and then when I went up there, it was mostly, mostly fishing. I never hunted. And to be honest, I don't know how much interest I had in it until I started to learn uh, more about it when I moved to New Mexico. And and I realized management and also the older I get, the more I take care of – I like to take care of myself. And the more I really dislike the idea of factory farming animals and being able to get something off the land that wasn't touched by other humans and, and is organic and free-range and everything just naturally. Yeah. Um, that's something I'm I'm very interested in uh, is, is to get – an animal and, and process it so I can have that free range yeah. in organic meat. Yeah. That is a definite common thread amongst a lot of, I'd say almost every single hunted forward participant that we've had. Yeah. Um, I think, I, yeah, I, I would say so. I think the, maybe the, the one, not necessarily exception because she wanted that she wanted organic and all that was was adrian she mm-hmm. she had just wanted to get into into hunting um as she was in the field already but hadn't had really a chance the to do it but yeah. it does it does uh run run through kind of um our participants that that common theme of wanting some wanting to know where their food comes from and that type of thing and it's it's big right now within the hunting world um that that's kind of a a big thing is using what you, what you get um field to table type of mm-hmm. conversations are being had all over the place mm-hmm. um instagram influencers are talking about it on a daily mm-hmm. um all that stuff is is happening so it's a very valid uh valid concern and valid um reason for people wanting to get into hunting which is great um we want you to get into hunting because we think hunting will also open your mind to the, uh, you know, some, some other topics and conversations surrounding, uh, that type, that type of stuff. Um, I agree. Don't like factory farming, but, uh, you know, what do we, t- what do, 
what are we defining as factory farming? I grew up in agriculture, uh, so I have a very strong tie to agriculture and to, to providing good, healthy meat and vegetables and all of that stuff as far as uh, agriculture goes to the public. So uh, I get to also share that opinion and that view of mine, but I do it through hunting because it's a connection to the natural world. It's a connection to your food, and I think in a society... Uh, for the most part, we've lost that, mm-hmm. you know, especially in, in the bigger cities. Uh, and, and I say that, but it's not even that. Here in New Mexico, um, when I was, a, when I was a, a game warden, we used to do um, educational uh, presentations, things like that, to elementary kids from even rural towns. And they would come in, you ask them, where does your food come from? You know, they would have a dairy farmer and and a rancher over here talking to the kids at the same time. Where's your food come from? From the grocery store. So yeah. it's not just, you know, big cities that that's happening. It's all across the world, all across the world. And I should say, you know, probably more so in, in the United States because we have that level of comfort and we've become so civilized. We've been separated from that natural world, world from where our food comes from and what, those cycles of life and death that happen every single day are. Rodney and I grew up uh, in agriculture uh, seeing that. You mm-hmm. got to see animals born. You got to see animals die. You you dealt with that on a daily basis. And so that was what life was to us. We we sometimes have to step back and realize that most people don't get to experience that. Well, yeah, and I actually, I actually think that that's probably more what I meant. I, uh, sure. I think I'm so far – I don't know if it's the factory farming as much as it was just a detachment from yes. from knowing where my food is coming from. And I'm more or less taking it based on documentaries I've seen, yeah. right, that are all going to be biased. I mean I even know that. <laughs> even the ones I like, I know they're biased. Absolutely. So that's where I'm more or less getting my information from, not so much getting in the field and, and doing that research and learning myself. And that definitely provides this uh, – this yeah. definitely provides that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's really what we want. Um, like, uh, like I said, it's uh, I I latched onto that because that was actually something that Mike brought up too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it it's like you said, uh, it's I don't you know don't know what to call it. Well, we have to start figuring out what people are talking about on the other side or on you know for those that. Actually, I say on the other side, we're never going to convince an anti-hunter that hunting is okay. And so we don't even mess with that. But there's a huge group of people in the middle, uh, you know, a group that that you come from that Mm -hmm. haven't been exposed to this, don't have strong feelings one way or the other. And whether they're going to become hunters or even if they're not going to become hunters, we have to be able to talk to them and build that Keep them in the middle. Yeah. And keep them either keep them in the middle or bring them to our yeah. side. Yeah, yeah. And talking to them and finding out what they what they mean. You know, what do you mean by factory farming? And you clarify it. You say, yeah, that detachment from where my food comes from. Yeah, that's those are two different topics. Sure, those are two different things we can talk about all day long. Yeah. And I think that's great. Yeah, uh, our, I, I've actually been kind of chewing on this all week since since we had the podcast with Mike because. Um, I think it was probably my first encounter. Uh, you, you, we hear we, we hear the myths. You hear the, the 
the people that say it, yeah, you know, milk comes from the grocery store and they don't really know that it comes from a cow or that meat comes from the grocery store, but they, you know, and they don't know that it, that it's beef, that it's a cow that they're eating. And I've never encountered that person. You hear about it, but I've never encountered it until we talked to Mike last week. And I asked him, you know, I was like, Hey, you know, when you were a kid, did you know where, what meat was, where it was come from? No, I thought it come from the grocery store. Really? Yeah. And that's just, it's amazing because like, like Kyle said, we grew up out here in the West in, in agricultural communities and we take it for granted and that we know it, you know, um, like Kyle said, life, death, sex, all of that stuff we learned on the farm mm-hmm. from watching pigs and chickens and cows do these things, live, die, breed, all of that stuff, become food, you know, watched them being butchered out there and put on the table. Uh, and there's a whole contingent of people that have no clue how that happens. Can I ask uh, a question? Yeah. So growing up on a farm, because that is, that is super foreign to me, growing up on a farm and you see these animals and you're interacting with these animals all the time, do you, like I will, having not grown up on a farm, I feel like I would grow an attachment to these animals. Do, or do you have an attachment or so don't have an attachment or just it, know that that's it's, it's, what's going to happen? It's something that you learn. Yeah, um, you, and especially you, in like 4-H. Yeah, you have an attachment. There's no doubt that you have an attachment. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, 4-H, FFA, those are those are agricultural agriculture for the most part. Uh, here in New Mexico, where I grew up, it was agriculture focused programs, and you would your parents would tell you well don't get attached you know they're gonna they're gonna become mm-hmm. become meat but for the most part you would get an attachment you couldn't spend that much time with an animal and not get some sort of an attachment but you always knew in the back of your mind what the purpose was especially mm-hmm. if you had good leaders good parents um you know taking you along and those programs are great for that and that's kind of what we're trying to duplicate with the hunt it forward initiative is get that knowledge to people um you're going to grow in an, an, an attachment i don't know how to how to call it any other way but as you learn about these animals you're going to respect them you're going to grow to think man these are mm-hmm. cool animals but you you're going to also do that with the frame of mind of this animal is a living breathing an- we living breathing animal that is eventually going to die and it's going to end up on my plate. Mm-hmm. We had one of our first uh, participants, Emily, thought that she wasn't going to be able to pull the trigger, thought that she was not going to, and even if she did, she thought she was going to throw up. She thought she was going to, you know, just break down. And she didn't. She did awesome. She was absolutely, you know, enamored with the process of butchering the animal. Um, and she, she, you know, she asked, you know, what? Well, it, I don't want to become this cold-blooded killer. And it's like, hunters are not cold-blooded killers. Mm-hmm. If you get to the point where you don't feel something when you kill an animal, you probably ought to stop. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel something every time. Every single time. You feel a little bit of, you know, I don't know how how you can. It, it's it's very personal. So I can't tell you, I can't convey to you the feelings that I have whenever I take an animal, because it's a very personal experience, which is makes it, which makes it extremely difficult 
for us to try and convince somebody that they should hunt because it's such a personal experience. Mm-hmm. That's why we want to do hunt it forward. Cause you have to experience it for yourself. Yeah. Um, but you do, I feel a little bit of remorse whenever I take an animal's life. Cause you're taking a life. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Yeah. It's, you're you're you taking were, a breathing, you living animal. That life. You're taking that life, but you do it with the understanding that this life, this animal is now going to sustain you and your family and your friends. Um, and so, you know, that's in my mind, that's, uh, I come from a very Christian background. I come from a very, um, structured faith, uh, that my beliefs are that we were put on this earth as stewards of the wildlife livestock. So actually, uh, this is part of me doing my job to help steward those animals. And again, it comes back to it. I, I think if I, if I get to a point, and it's hard to say, but if I get to a point where I don't feel something whenever I kill an animal, I probably ought to stop. Yeah, yeah sure. And, and I, don't, I, I think I can speak for both me and Kyle. I don't think that we'll ever get to that point. Um, there, there's a wide range, like, like Kyle said, you can't explain it, but there's a wide range of emotions um, when, when you take an animal. And my, my deer hunt last year um, put me through a whole nother uh, uh, array of emotions because I shot it in one evening. Uh, we had to let it sit and go back for it in the morning. Um, and two things ran through my mind all night. Uh, it was very hard to sleep. And one of them was... I was praying that the animal wouldn't be wasted. I was praying that coyotes or bobcats or mountain lions or something wasn't out there eating on the meat, which in a sense isn't wasting Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, coyotes got to eat too. Um, But for the purpose of taking that animal was to feed my family. So I was praying that it wouldn't be wasted. And the other thing that I was praying is that that animal wasn't suffering. Um, And unfortunately, I, I know because of when we found it that it hadn't been dead for too long. I know that it did suffer. Um, and so that puts into me, um, a thought that I have to work harder next time, uh, on shooting the shot that I took was fine there. It wasn't a bad shot. It wasn't, um, an unethical shot, anything like that, but it, it put me through an extra range of motions. And because of that experience, I know that there's still so much more of hunting for me to experience. Every year is, an, is something new. Sure. And, and you'll go through that. Uh, and I've been hunting a long time. I've, I've been hunting since I was a kid. Um, I think my first hunt, I was probably 12 years old. So it, I've been doing it for a while. Um, I guess I'd make it 33 years. That's uh, my, my biggest fear is to shoot an animal and to injure the animal but not kill it. Good. But yeah, that's hands great, down my biggest good, fear. That's a great I, fear to have. Yeah. Um, it, it is not a big enough fear for you to not go forward and at least try. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding that these animals, uh, when left out in nature, suffer much worse deaths. Absolutely. But 
that does not lessen our responsibility as stewards and as hunters to make an ethical shot, make a clean kill. Um, Shay last year, or Shay last year, um, she she uh, she went through those emotions. You know, mm-hmm. she shot one good shot, great mm-hmm. shot. The animal would have eventually died, um, but we had her go ahead and you know take another shot and, and finish it off quick. I mean, that is our responsibility as a hunter. Um, but again, excellent fear to have because it's going to motivate you to be. Uh, proficient with yeah. your implement perfect your skills i've perfect already been at skills. the range because absolutely yeah because i'm nervous about doing that yeah and and um and it also keeps so, you fr- it also keeps you from being overconfident yeah because you can drill them at the range yeah. you get out in the field and yep. it's a, a whole, whole different world game. we used to call yeah. it call it with rodney tornado mode well, adrenaline's going i'm assuming right oh, I mean, adrenaline it, and a whole host a whole host of of factors that you have absolutely no control over I I have never even to this day I have learned to control my emotions uh, to an extent, but I literally have to control them. I have to suppress them because even now when I'm not hunting and I see a big deer out there driving around, I get so excited. I I go into tornado mode. That's what they call it. It's tornado <laughs> mode. Um, I just I get excited. I, I love it that much. I just my heart gets to pounding. You know, the blood gets to racing and I get excited and I have to control it. Um, and throughout the years, I've gotten better. Uh, my deer that I took last year, it was a testament to that. Um, I'm not sure I could have done that 10 years ago. I mm-hmm. would have just been too excited seeing a deer of that size in front of me and I would have bunged it up somehow. Um, yeah, the, the emotions in hunting are, are real and that's the hardest part of hunting is having that animal in your sights and doing everything right in that moment. Uh, like how said, very easy at the range, very easy. You're sitting at a table in a chair. Um, you're usually not sitting on a rock with a cactus poking you in the knee and uncomfortable because you've been squatting for 30 minutes and your feet are asleep. Uh, it's very, very hard when you get out there in the field um, to put everything that you learned on a range into motion. That's the hardest part. And I'm assuming that just comes with time, right? Like, the, what's going to prepare me? But aside tell, from the range, what's better what than the range, but not as good as hunting? Yeah. Um, so there's lots of different things that you can that you can do, um, and and we'll give you kind of some homework to do. Um, you you have it great because you have a chance to go around and kind of look at animals all the time, and we talked about it with Mike. Uh, this is the first time when we've been all in close proximity with our participants, so we're going to be able to spend some more time with them. We'll be able to actually take you guys out in the field and look at some antelope, antelope possibly do some dry stocks with you before Absolutely. we ever get out. I, we, oh, I think awesome. that's going to be uh, really crucial for us, and that's mm-hmm. where we would like to be with most of our participants is just circumstances hadn't allowed us to do that so far. So this year I'm really excited about because we're going to be able to put into effect some of those things that we've been wanting to do, Mm -hmm. Uh, take you out in the field, uh, you know, show you, help you learn how to track, help you learn how to identify sign. Uh, Doing some dry stocks is not a problem at all. Um, I think all those things are going to be great for us. Um, And doing those things hopefully will help you prepare for that moment but again it it's going to be the first time that you're taking an animal we can't account for everything yeah Yeah. sure yeah no you never can you never can there's so much 
How much harder is it to stalk? I have a few questions, actually. Yeah. So how it. much harder is it to stalk an animal? It's got to be harder with three people as opposed to one. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so just think of it like this. Uh, these animals are prey animals. Uh, they are designed to survive predation, and that's what we are. We're apex predators, right? Especially with the you know knowledge and, and te- technology that we have, we are the apex predators. Mm-hmm. But they have evolved, and even though we have all this technology and, and all this knowledge, they still win most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good example of that is, uh, let's say, for example, mule deer. Uh, mule deer success rates across New Mexico are at about 33%. You're kidding me. So of the people who go hunting, about 33% actually bring home an animal. Wow. So that gives you an idea of how good these animals are at what they do. Not only that, but they're in this, they're in this environment um, 24-7. We introduce ourselves into this environment for a very short period of time. The really good hunters are the ones that are out there day in and day out. Yeah. Um, so that being said, yeah, it's uh, these animals are designed to get away from us. And so um, they are designed to catch movement, which is going to be – there's probably two to three things that are going to be your biggest focus as a hunter. One is wind. They're going to be able to smell you. Mm-hmm. Second is movement, depending on, on the animal, because, you know, um, eyesight in pronghorn is probably above wind. They're going to be able to see you before they smell you mm-hmm. in pronghorn. So um, movement, wind, and sound. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, one person, small movements, not a lot of scent, times that by three. It's harder to hunt with a group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not impossible. It's not impossible. I mean, we've got we four don't... for four. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we've, yeah, and and we're generally in groups of four. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and Kyle's exactly right. You you can you can generally you can trick their eyes, you can trick their ears. You cannot trick their nose. You can never trick their nose. And I don't care what anybody says. If you're downwind of, if you're if the animal's downwind from you. If the animal's downwind of you, if you're upwind of the animal you're and they smell you, they're gone. That's that's just what's going to happen. 99.9% of the time, they're out of there. Um, like Kyle said, moving super slow, being being uh, as still as possible. Um, and quiet's a big one, but depending on the animal. Like he said, if it's antelope, you know, sight is probably probably plays a bigger key than smell because um, they can see you for miles and it's very hard to get up on them especially because generally the terrain that antelope are in is pretty open country Th- that's what i was going to ask yeah so yeah. We're, so we're, where are you hiding behind so, so this is where we're going to learn topography uh, topography this is where we're going to learn uh to use um the the features of the land that are available to you if it's nice and open and flat you're going to be doing a lot of crawling, crawling through the mm. grass very slowly. slowly. <laughs> um, if it's elk, sound is not that big of an issue. As a matter of fact, sometimes with elk, you want to make noise because they'll think that you're another elk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but same thing with elk. If they smell you, Don Johnson, man, they're they're out of there. Um, 
whitetail, same thing. You know, they're they're extremely tricky. They they've got great eyesight and hearing, uh, good sense of smell, all those things. You know, so everything that you hunt um, is going to be a little different. Um, but those are the main three but those factors. Are, yeah, that those you're are the main at. three factors. Like oh. Kyle said, they know their terrain, they know their country, they know what's out there and what's not. Sure. Which that's you know that when we talk about camo, you already got camo. Uh, the pattern you picked out, I think, is going to be great. Good colors for the terrain that we're probably going to be in. Uh, camo is ultimately designed to break up your outline. It deals with sight. It deals with movement. It deals with breaking up that outline so that if they do see you, they're going to go, hmm. But if you're real still, they're going to just ignore you. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it just it just really depends. Uh, but those are, those are definitely some of the things we're going to talk about. Other right. questions? Yeah, another question. So... If- <laughs> If you, I like he's questions. doing all the work. I for love it. Yeah, yeah, I, I got love, you guys. I love it. So if you shoot an animal mm-hmm. and it is injured, and you if you walk up to it and it's injured, what's the best practice? Do you shoot, shoot it, it again? again? Absolutely, you put shoot it, it again. Yeah, yeah. Make, make sure that you uh, even if you can tell, even if you can tell. Oh, sorry, if you can tell that it's injured, even before you walk up to it, if you're walking up to it, you're inducing stress and. Um, a burst of adrenaline, which may make it jump up and run off mm-hmm. and you not recover it. So as soon as you recognize that you've injured an animal, um, it's best to put another one in it. In fact, uh, you'll hear a lot of guides who go with folks that don't hunt or, or may not be great at hunting. Um, they'll shoot one. And if you couldn't, if you haven't, if you can't tell right away that it's a great hit, they'll tell, put another one in it, put another, put another one in it. Um, for the most part, you can tell with antelope whether or not you made a good shot. And we're going to do our absolute best to get you, you know, within a good range. Uh, I think most of our antelope shots have been within 150 yards. Yeah. Uh, and that... Most of them have been within 100 yards. Most of them have been Some within of them have been yards. a little further, but not much. Shays was at about 150. Yeah. So... I'm still getting confused every time you say Shay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're going to do our best. Uh, to teach you the skills to stock in close so that you have less of an uh, of a uh, less room for error room for error yeah. yeah and and that's kind of one good thing about it too um, it, when we're out there and we're hunting yeah you're gonna have us chirping in your ear the whole time and that's gonna do two things one it's gonna give you some good information hopefully it's good information two it's gonna kind of slow you down it, it's gonna slow you down calm you down and let you kind of take in the moment where you don't have to necessarily make all the decisions. Um, cause that can get, that can get pretty daunting. You know, um, the, the vast majority of my hunting, um, teachings, um, were here's a gun. <laughs> that Figure it. It out, yeah. and, and I'm not knocking my family because there's they took you hunting. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they took, but there, there's no, there's no substitute for experience. No, you know, there's just not. And and they were hunting too. I mean, when we when we hunted, we all hunted together. Um, and so a lot of the hunting that I did when I was growing up was all trial trial and error, you know, and figuring it out. Um, but we did it every year. I mean, it was just something that happened every single year. And new people getting in, if they don't have, you know, I could at least ask them questions, you know. And I did this, and I did that, and. They can tell me, well, you shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, generally it was way to go, dumbass, um, with my family. But, um, 
you know, you're going to have me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have us there, you know, talking in your ear, helping you through the whole thing. Uh, and it, it'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. So I'm, yeah, I'm super competitive and I play a ton of sports. So that aspect of this also really excites me. And I don't know if that's okay or not, but the idea of almost competing you're, you're, you're with the animal. So more competitive than me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that, and that's, and that's a great perspective of perspective to have um you know others you know other sports that's that's it you're competing with other people um oftentimes i find i'm not even competing with the animal i'm competing with myself most of the time i'm competing with how have i done in the past can i do it better this Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. um how close can i get how quiet can i be you know um how smooth can i make this transition into a shooting position mm-hmm. um, at this close range. I I think I think I'm I'm with you. I think that 99% of it is you're competing with yourself because I'll say this when when you see an animal, okay, and you decide, okay, I want to take that animal. That's the animal I'm going to take, right? It is almost 100% guaranteed that you can do that, right? You just have to make all the right choices. Sure. So at that point, it's not you, it's not necessarily you against that animal because once that animal knows you there, knows you're there, maybe then it's you against the animal. But if that animal doesn't know you're there, it's just you against you. It's you on a chessboard trying to make all the right moves. And if you make a wrong move and that animal busts you, it's on you. It's not. It's not because the animal did some great thing and was like, "Ha ah, ha, you didn't get me." Mm-hmm. So we're uh, we're big movie quoters. Have you seen Have you seen Hitch? Yeah, of course. Yeah. we were talking so, about Hitch last night, actually. Great. So uh, this is a great kind of uh, um, quote in Hitch to to accentuate that point. Um, when he's when he's with um, what was this his name the the um, the guy who's with the heiress. Right. Yeah, Kevin. 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 Whatever his name is. Last name. Anyways, when he's with him and he's like, you know, he's talking to him, he said, "All right, your job is not to impress her." He said, "She's already out with you. She's already said yes." He said, "Your job is to not fuck it up." <laughs> that's what it is. That's what it is. That's a, yeah. That's a great point. That that is exactly what it is. That's almost just as, if not more exciting, though, is the fact that I'm competing with myself. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. It's easier to improve or easier to, to know exactly what I'm doing and try to improve it when it's just well, me. Well, the other thing is you have absolute control over the improvement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, absolutely. Yeah, Absolute control over the – Absolutely. Yeah. And that's – so and, – and Kyle kind of has this thing where, you know, we, when you – like when we go hunting, we're, we're hunting buddies and we have our hunting crew and we go out and we talk about – like our expectations or, or what we're after for an animal. And Kyle's expectations are generally something bigger than I shot last year. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's always good. It's, it's, it's not necessarily a, um, a trophy, but it's just an improvement. It's an improvement on himself and what he's going to accomplish every single year. And mine, a lot of times depends on the hunt. And I, I set, different goals for myself, um, depending on what we're hunting, where we're hunting, when we're hunting, all of what we're hunting with, all of those things. And it's a good thing to do. You know, once you get to a certain point, you'll probably start doing that too. You'll say like, I want to, I want to stalk within 20 yards of a deer. 
Sure. I, I, I want to take something within 20 yards or, or D-Don, I want to shoot something at 1,000 yards. You Actually, know, for D-Don, it's I want to shoot something at under 10. 10 yards? Yeah, he'll never <laughs> be able to do that. <laughs> We've watched him miss it. We've watched him miss a few animals inside 20 yards. Really <laughs> um, sorry, Dodo. Uh, no, but, we're not. But yeah, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll set personal goals and that's, it's part of hunting. It's a big part of hunting for me is those personal goals, you know, uh, um, little things, you know, mm-hmm. I want to take something with a primitive muzzleloader. I want to take something with my bow. I want to, that's something on my list is yeah. I would love to, I have a, I bought a bow too. I forgot. <laughs> but, uh, ready to go. Yeah. He is ready. But uh, but the uh, bow hunting that interests me. That interests me a lot. I it would is, really like to get to a point where I could try to get an animal with a bow. It is one of the coolest things. I I shot, um, I shot a deer a few years ago now, um, at four twenty thirty. Over 400 yards. Yeah. I don't know what it was exactly, but it was Not over, with a bow. It was over 400 <laughs> yeah, yards. Yeah, I put it together when he said 400 <laughs> yards. Um, and it was one of the uncoolest things I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it at all. I'm glad that I've done it because now I know. Um, but it, our buddy Didon, he loves long-range shooting. Absolutely just loves it. I, I, I like long-range shooting, but I have no desire to ever shoot at an animal that far again because it was so impersonal mm-hmm. i mean this deer was just way off in the middle of nowhere taking a nap had no idea what was going on and all of a sudden led yeah you know and i got no emotional joy out of it no n- nothing i mean i just the only thing that i got was the sorrow of taking an animal mm-hmm. you know and I didn't even feel that as keenly because I wasn't watching it happen. I wasn't there. Everything else that I've taken has been close range, like 150 yards closer. Every animal that I've ever taken was close distance. And I didn't enjoy that long distance. Yeah. Getting close is a skill. Sneaking in on an animal, that is one of the hardest parts of hunting is, is being able to get that close because you've got so many factors there's other deer watching there's other elk watching there's wind there's smell there's sound there's time i mean you can run out of time sneaking up on an animal there's just so many factors um in fact one of my i think one of my ultimate goals and i don't even know if i've shared this with you rodney doesn't even involve killing an animal i would like to at some point in my life sneak up on an animal and touch it yeah That'd five, be wild. Five feet. Five feet. Five feet. That's as close as I've got. Five yep. feet from a dome. Yep. I've been I've been about four yards from a cow elk that walked past me. Yep. But I want to I want to I want to touch an animal. Yep. That sounds super exciting to right? me. That the idea of the stalk is just fascinating to me. It's it is so, so into- cool. it's so intoxicating. So mm-hmm. much and watching it is amazing. So we do we do this hunt uh, every so often. Me and Kyle and Deedon and Basically, how it ends up is we end up with one person watching, like one people up on the up on the hill. One, one people. One people. One people. Um, <laughs> up on the hill behind some binoculars while the other two put on a stock, you know. And generally, the way it works is, you know, we got a hierarchy. It's it's Kyle's turn and it's my turn to watch, and Didon's with him, and they'll get into so such a close range, and, and then, then Didon blows it by yeah. shooting. <laughs> my shot, Didon. 
one person is supposed to kind of hang back <laughs> while the other makes the final approach, right? Sure. So you got kind of a backup. Um, and it is so intense. I mean, because you're so far away. Generally, we're a quarter of a mile away watching, you know, through the binoculars. And you're like, you're going to step on it. Don't move again. <laughs> it's just, it's so intense. I mean, there's not a TV show out there that can compare. It is ridiculously intense watching this. And Kyle got a deer a couple of years ago where he shot it, like, what, 8 o'clock that morning, 10 o'clock that morning? Uh, it was it was, pretty it was probably 8.30 when I shot it. All right. And, um, and one, primitive muzzleloader, it's, it's, it is very hard to kill an animal with primitive muzzleloader. Your shot placement has to be exceptional, um, and it's hard. Uh, um, shooting with a patch and round ball. Yeah, it, it's like hard. Primitive, primitive, primitive yeah. muzzleloader. Speaking um, Mandarin to me, I have yeah. no idea what a muzzleloader loader muzzle is. Loader. Would you say a patch ball? A patch, patch and a round ball. So patch and a round we'll, ball. We'll, we'll teach you. It's primitive. It's very primitive. Um, it's a it's a step up from yeah, the it, bow. It, it's, okay. It's, yeah. It, it, it's, a bare, it's a small it's step a up small from step the Revolutionary up from the War. Revolutionary <laughs> War. <laughs> so it's, you know, you got to get in there. It's like a bow. You got to get in there. Um but he hit this animal, and it was going to die. But um, we were in a position where we could watch it run off and see where it laid down. And I was able to tell Kyle it laid down here, and he was able to go after it. And he put, like, four or five separate stocks on it. And we didn't get it until that evening. And it was probably 2 o'clock when I finally shot it. Yeah. The and, second then, and then we got it gutted and got it out to the truck, and we had, like, an hour left of light. But... I was all day behind the glass watching this process, and it was it was really a testament to Kyle's commitment to make sure that he harvested this animal mm-hmm. and that it didn't go to waste and that he did end up finishing it. Um, but watching that, just stock after stock after stock with him going after that animal was impressive. It, 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 it's just so exciting, so exciting to watch. Yeah, and that's goes right back to hunt it forward. And why we love it so much is it's extremely exciting to watch you guys go through this process, to go through all of the learning and then to get out there in the field and chase these animals. It's pretty dang cool. Yeah, it's got to be a whole different kind of rewarding, right, from when you oh, do yeah. the hunt versus when you see somebody like me or or a family do a hunt for the first time. We, we had no idea how rewarding it would be when we no. started it. Um, and, and we have learned a ton. And, in fact – we we have learned more than collectively probably than our participants will. Yeah. Simply because each each new participant teaches us something new yeah. and we have to figure out a new way to do something to overcome something. And we have that experience to where we can recognize what we're learning, you know, and we can because we have the experience that we do, we can see and and piece together the things that are happening and the things that went wrong and things that went right where it is like y'all where y'all are very unexperienced in it um there's so much that you're learning it's hard for you to recognize all of the little nuances um so yeah we learn an awful lot a ton we learn a lot about each other um about how to hunt with each other and i'll give you i'll give you a good example so the first first group that that we took out. Yeah. Um, I know right where you're going with this. When first, was the first group you took out? How long ago? Um, 2018? 2019. Okay, so you've been doing this for a couple of years now. A couple now. of years now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the first group we took out, uh, 
the first time that we saw antelope, um, we went, you know, really, they're here, they're moving this way. If we get down in this draw, we can get up ahead of them, be a perfect shot. And so we're, we have hunted together for most of the time that I've hunted and we learn, we know each other. We know what each other's going to do. It doesn't take a whole lot of talking. And so we can make a decision to make a move and do something very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so we decided this is the plan that we're going to do. And they were kind of just like, okay, let's go do this. Um, and so we got down to where we needed to be and we jumped out and we grabbed all our stuff. And I headed out um, across the pasture and I turned around about, about 30, 40 yards from the pickup. And I looked back and they were just getting out of the pickup. <laughs> and that and that was a very defining moment for me because I realized, okay, I'm not hunting here. I have got to slow down and mm-hmm. move at their pace because this is their hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that those are the types of things that, that have really defined um, mm-hmm. our learning curve in this hunt at Forward is it's not about us. It's about you guys. Sure. Yeah. And we got to learn how to how to basically – communicate with you in a way that you understand it mm-hmm. not yeah. a way that we understand it yeah very, very completely understand each other so. yeah uh, on that same hunt we were um we were driving and we stopped and um kyle said i think there's going to be some antelope over this hill and uh, i said all right i'll run look so he probably stopped about 100 yards from the rise of the hill you know so the truck wouldn't be seen if there was anything over there. And I walked up there, peeked over the edge, and I turned around, and I came back. And the, the walk that I was doing... Um, I was sitting Kyle, in the truck. I was sitting in the truck I with go, Adrian oh, and Emily. there's antelope. And you couldn't see antelope. No. But he, he peeked over the hill. I saw what he did. And the way he walked back to the truck, I said, oh, there's antelope. And they're like, how do you know? Mm-hmm. That's the way he's walking. The way he's walking. <laughs> this is, this reminds me so much of just any like other sports, and mm-hmm. I think that's how I'm going to be able to understand it the best. It's because again, so different. But in basketball, I play with somebody long enough; I know where they're going to move, I know how they're going to move, mm-hmm. um, and so this is super similar in mm-hmm. my mind to that. It's like I went out fly fishing for like the fifth time the other day, and I'm I was I'm now I'm getting better at casting, but I was horrible casting. And one person was teaching me one way, and then my other buddy, the last time he saw me cast, was like, "Think of a lacrosse stick," and that's how he he told me when to stop it. It was like, I'm throwing a pass almost. Mm-hmm. And I, and that I clicked, I got it right away. And that I'm better at casting now because of it. And it sounds like hunting is almost the same thing. You guys just learning how to, mm-hmm. to teach me and, and yep. putting it in a way I can understand, which is super interesting. Cause I would have never thought about that. Mm-hmm. I've coached plenty of sports teams. So you're good. Oh, great. Perfect. <laughs> if we could talk big, about it, big with sports, sports fan, yep. you're good to go. Yeah. yeah. Me, not so much. I'll just let him take lead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's what works for my brain. It's yeah. just because I'm, those are things I'm used to. Yeah. So that's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. There, there's not a ton of, there's not a ton of sports analogies that are going to help in the world of hunting, but there's some. I'll if take you, anything if I you can get. If you speak fluent movie quote, you'll also be much better off. I'm great yes. with movies too. Huge movie buff. We're, we're good. We're good. We're just going to quote Hitch the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> out cold. Out cold. Oh, all, man. All I haven't seen Out Cold in forever. So good. Great movie. Zach Galifianakis, right? Zach yes. Galifianakis. Yeah. Yep, yep. Absolutely. So, what other questions you got? 
I'm trying to think. I, I have so many questions, but right now, I, it's okay. Yeah, right now I can't. No, well, can't I'm. Many. We will. Yeah, we have, I'm trying we to process to everything we talked about because this is truly so new to me that everything you guys are saying is another world. We've we've got a ton of time. There's there's going to be some things that we, you know that we're going to ask you to do um, uh, throughout this time, and and we're in super close proximity, so we can answer questions anytime. Um, Actually, I have a few questions. I lied. All right, let's go. Do you do you film the when like when you're doing this process? Do you film the hunts with the participants, or do you at least record it? As much of it as, as we much can. as we can. Okay. Yeah. We don't want that to get in the way of the actual process yeah. and the mm-hmm. actual hunt. Yeah. And so, if we can do it without being uh, imposing uh, or distracting the participant or yeah. uh, putting the hunt or stock in jeopardy, we'll do it. Yeah. Okay. There will be footage um, taken. Um, typically what we do is, um, we, we generally split up into pairs, um, and no set definition. Like me and you may go on a stock in the morning and you and Kyle may go on a stock in the afternoon. It's Mm -hmm. not like we just say, okay, Kyle and Shay, you were together and I'm with Mike. Um, we'll split up. We'll be back and forth. We, uh, let's say if we go out the first morning and let's say we plan to go hunting for three days. Okay. And you and Kyle go out on the first morning and you kill an antelope and you're done. We still want you there for the whole time. Mm-hmm. We still want you to be there for the whole hunt because we want you to get the entire experience. We want you to enjoy the experience with Mike. Well, and there's uh, and there's and some vice value versa. in watching someone else do it because Correct. you'll you'll recognize things that they do and you're like, "Did I do that?" Mm-hmm. or yeah. "Should I have done that?" There's there's very much value in watching somebody else do it. Yeah, what did they do right? What did they do wrong? Exactly, and and like in previous in previous times, like um, I've generally generally like if Kyle takes the shooter and they go ahead, and and we, I hang back with the other hundred four participant. I'm generally talking to them and telling them, doing a commentary. Uh, play by play, there's your sports analogy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of everything that's going on, right? I'm telling, okay, Kyle's doing this. They're doing this. They're they're waiting on this. Do you see that antelope? She's looking back. So Kyle's holding up right there. They're probably going to try and get to that bush because it's about 120 yards from where the antelope are. I've given them a play by play of what's going on. So, and and making them pay attention mm-hmm. because that's the best way to learn. Like Kyle said, you can you can learn so much by just watching and seeing what they're doing. And the angle is different, um, but you can still pick up a lot. And uh, and it allows you to look at it objectively versus uh, in the heat of the moment where you're yeah. going to miss things. Sure. Yeah. When is the hunt? When is an antelope hunt? Uh, What's the season? <laughs> um, We've generally done it in December. Generally December. Yeah. December, January, but generally December. Okay. Yep. So we got some time. We, we got some time. We got some time. We're going to do some shooting. Like, like I, I'm really excited about the dry stocking. That's, yep. that's something that I definitely I'm pumped want. about the dry that's stocking. That's something that we that's haven't a, been able to do yet, yeah. so it's really exciting. Yeah. 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 Those opportunities. Uh, and catching all of that, you know, it, and we, we'll get some of it on film mm-hmm. for sure. And when we do some dry stocking, we can definitely get that on film. Um, but – we can talk about all that. We can put all that on the podcast, and it's something that it, – it's a part of the Hunt It Forward that we really haven't been able to do and definitely haven't been able to get it on the podcast. Um, so I'm really looking forward to being able to bring that added level of attention uh, to the podcast and to the program. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. 
So excited about it. Yeah. It's going to be cool. It is. I can't wait. I'm literally so – I mean, obviously, <laughs> I bought – I've never hunted. I have a bow, two guns, camo. I get think I'm ready. All in. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm all in. Get, Excellent. Good, good, good. It's it's hard to get that uh, that initial step, That get, get that initial stuff. You know, there's so much stuff that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and – we'll talk about, I'm sure that we'll talk about gear in a future podcast, but there's so much stuff that you, that you need that you have to have obviously a rifle. Um, but you don't generally speaking, you can probably borrow one of those. If you've bought one, great. Um, we've had people borrow, um, uh, borrow them from a friend or a family member or something like that. Uh, typically what I like to do is for every hunt, I buy a piece of gear. Every time I draw a tag mm-hmm. or I have a hunt coming up, I buy a piece of gear. And uh, I'm to the point now in my hunting life where I buy something I want rather than something I need because I've got everything that I need. Uh, all the gear that I buy now is crap that I want. Sure. Um, and it could be a, it could be it could be a camping gear. It could be you know a cool sleeping bag for my tent or an organizer for my tent or you know a cool little grill or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I buy something for a hunt, um, you know, because that's another thing that we generally don't talk about much uh, when it comes to hunting forward is the entire camping aspect of it. We'll uh, be camping. Uh, we probably won't be camping on the hunt. Sure. But generally, hunting requires camping. Yes. So it's it's a, and I'm just now having this revelation now, it's something that um, we haven't really talked about on hunt it forward but something that goes with hunting is also camping well we had planned it uh we had planned it for the the second year of hunt it forward with one one she 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 and ryan (laughs) and ryan uh to to camp uh but had to change plans at the last minute and that's a part of hunting yeah always something changes something always comes up now that doesn't mean necessarily that we can't camp doesn't we could absolutely go camping if we wanted to. Yeah, I mean, I have. So if, I we, have wa- if nothing, we wanted, so. to, if we wanted to throw that in, it would be a possibility. Yeah, uh, listen, I'd like it. I mean, I would at, love at, it. At least yeah, throw it in for 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 a night or something. Sure, I mean, I'm not going to turn that down. Heck no. Yeah, no. if it was a night, and and you guys could teach me basics of that too. That I mean, that would be awesome because I've been camping, but not really. Heck yeah, you might not want us teaching you how to camp. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I know. He's our kind of guy. Yeah. He's already got a rifle. He's got a yeah, rifle he's, shotgun that's, bow. That's probably true. When he's, it, he's going to end up with a freaking Kodiak tent. And, uh, right? <laughs> when it comes to camping, um, we camp hard. Uh, most people talk not, about not hard as in we like to be miserable. Hard as in we like to set a comfortable camp. Uh, it yeah. takes a lot of work, but when you get it done, you that's can relax. It. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and it is work. It it is definitely work. When you when we come home from a camping trip, we're generally tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> need a vacation, right? From the vacation, you need a vacation from the vacation. But it's worth it. it. Like Kyle says, our 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 deer camp is amazing. I mean, the the two hunts that we did in two B, um, deer camp setup is pretty freaking awesome. Um, shoot, we had a shower, man. Heck yeah! Oh, you guys really were doing it up. Oh yeah. yeah. Y'all go camping. Sounds good. Nice. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Um, Enjoyed talking with Shay. We'll we're we're gonna catch up again. We'll do several of these podcasts. Uh, But yeah, 
I'm excited for these two this 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 year with these two. Yeah, very excited. Um, and you know, I don't know if we explain. I, I got to explain to Mike a little bit beforehand, but I didn't really talk to Shay. So, uh, just a little bit about hunt it forward and what to expect going forward. So we'll do this private land hunt with you, and yep. we, we chose private yep. land for a reason. Uh, here in New Mexico, uh, they have, in my opinion, a great system where they uh, recognize landowners for providing habitat for wildlife and in the form of authorizations that can be turned into licenses. Uh, that gives us the opportunity with this Hunt It Forward initiative, this Hunt It Forward program, to get somebody right away. Mm-hmm. be able to provide you guys an opportunity to hunt an animal right away versus uh, somewhere else that you that you are having to put in for a draw or uh, many other states where they have a point system where you you are guaranteed not to be able to draw anything for the, at least the first year or two years because yeah. you have to build up points um, so uh, we'll take you on this on this hunt on this private land hunt get you uh, get you the opportunity. We're not going to guarantee an animal because hunting is hunting. It's not killing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but get you the opportunity. Uh, then hopefully if you do get an animal, we're going to go through field dressing, skinning, some process, some basic processing, mm-hmm. uh, and then talk about the determination of whether you want to move forward and process it yourself or use, uh, use a processor. Um, and then teach you, you know, We'll, we'll, we'll eat some of it. We're going to put it on the table. Right We're going to cook cooking. something because um, it is, in my opinion, antelope is one of the most delicious game meats there is. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I don't know if I've ever had antelope. I think maybe it's really good. Maybe a hat, but I it's couldn't tell you. really really good. So, and then following up on that, after we're done eating. Uh, the the second year, which is kind of new to the program, last year, the the second year, what we want to do is do a follow up. So. We'll teach you how to read the proclamation. We'll teach you how to apply for hunts. And we'll have you apply for some public land draw hunts. And then if you're lucky enough to draw a tag, we're going to go with you on that hunt and show you the public land side of it. Because the private land side of it is ten times different. Mm-hmm. It's it's just vastly different than public land hunting um, because of hunting pressure animal scarcity all of those types of things it's it's just a lot different so and it's important for us to follow up uh with you for a second round to make sure that you're truly grounded and uh it gives you it gives you another chance to to re um to re-engage and refresh the skills that you learned the first year um we we learned that last year that we we felt like our first participants didn't get that opportunity to get that kind of refresher course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we wanted to provide that. And by doing that, we hope that we, you can come out of it with the basic skills, be able to put in for, for yourself for a public land hunt um, and go hunting, whether it's with friends or, or with anything, you've got the basic skills to be able to do it. Um, and hopefully at some point later on down the line, the the end goal is that you then become a mentor and start taking people hunting yourself. Mm-hmm. Dude, this is incredible. I really appreciate you guys inviting me to do this. Absolutely. You bet. So that's what you can expect, and uh, I'm really excited about this year. Very excited. Super excited. I'm, I'm excited about how much we're going to be able to do because we're here. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're all in close proximity, mm-hmm. so that's going to be a big deal. Absolutely.
Anything else you want to add, ask? No, I think that's it. Cool. All right, man. Appreciate you coming on. Yep. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Very excited. Uh, Thank you guys for joining. Adios. Adios. (laughs) Thanks for joining Not A Grande Outdoors Podcast. Come follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget about our website, www.notagrandeoutdoors.com. Adios.